0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show Podcast. On this episode, we check in with Jamie Bettens, our baseball correspondent, because spring training games are about to begin. So many rule changes. Also, the World Baseball Classic is coming up. Does Canada have a chance? Also, we're going to preview Saturday's big game between the Westmen and Bisons men's basketball teams in the Canada West semifinals, a trip to the conference championship, and the national championships are on the line. That's all coming up on the podcast. Guess what? There's spring training games in Major League Baseball. I know, right? So with that in mind, we're joined by our baseball guy on the CJOB Sports Show. That's Jamie Bettens, former president of the Manitoba Junior Baseball League. And Jamie, do you care at all about spring training? I feel
1: like it's Christmas Eve right now as a, with spring training uh, upon us. I don't know if it's because of the overabundance of coverage that the Blue Jays get in this country, and which I'm a big fan of, but... Uh, Whenever pitchers and catchers report, I get a little goosebumpy, and uh, I got to tell you, aside from the trade deadline in the NHL that gets a little bit overplayed, uh, this is right up there with uh, must-see TV for me.
0: So Saturday, when the Blue Jays open their spring training against Pittsburgh at noon, you'll be watching. Absolutely,
1: with. Uh, all eyes open on uh, who's starting and the new players and kind of where they're at. And, and I, and I enjoy the kind of in-game interviews when they have the managers on and stuff like that to talk philosophy, because you just can learn so much about, you know, whatever team you're following by watching these early broadcasts.
0: And this year, I think there's probably going to be an added intrigue to spring training because there's so many rule changes in baseball this year. And they are going to be in place for spring training. So players, it's not like on opening day. Oops, now the bases are bigger. They'll get to play with it for a month heading into the start of the season. Let's just go over the big ones. We've got defensive shifts. We've got the uh, bases are bigger. Pitchers are only allowed to disengage from the mound a limited number of times. But the big one's the pitch clock. And how much do you think that's going to impact the game? And how long do you think it's going to take for players that didn't Spend the last number of years in the miners learning it to get used to it.
1: I think it's going to take some time. Some of the grizzled veterans are, are going to have their complaints for sure. And I think, you know, the Fairweather fan, you know, may even fade away before they come back to this, because this is something that could really affect the watching of the sport. If you don't fully understand why they're doing it. Um, I, I think that this is the toughest one right now, but it's also the one that's the biggest time killer and they're trying to kind of take the head of the snake when, when addressing this situation. Um, to me, you know, you look at some of the pitchers out there that are very deliberate in the way they do things and they, they make a lot of money because of the way they pitch and the fact that they're going to have to alter that um, could see some kind of intriguing things happening with some of these, as these players as they need to make these adjustments just to survive now.
0: I think the disengagement one is going to be a big one too because steals are are a thing of the past it feels to some degree with the bigger bases and the fact that pitchers will be called for a balk if they don't pick the guy off after a couple of tries. I think we're going to see a lot more activity on the base pass. That's at least the intent and I think it's going to work. What do you think?
1: I think it's probably going to be something they look back at as one of the biggest and most positive changes for the game. And that's, that's, that's my take on it right now. Um, The bases are closer. It's, it's a little bit, you know, you're a little bit quicker to round them to get to home plate. So you may see more triples, more doubles. Um, But when a, when a base runner knows the pitcher can't really throw over the first base or the percentages are very low um, the fact that you can start an average runner in position now and, and get them closer to scoring position, uh, and then if that ball's put in play, they can go from first to third or things like, that. like they, that. Those are just the plays within the game that make it so much more exciting when it's live or even on TV. So I think that's when, when they look back upon all of these rules, I think that's the one that's going to have the greatest fan impact.
0: And what about the defensive shifts that are getting tampered down? Now you have to have two players on either side of second base and they have to have feet on the infield dirt. So are we going to see a lot more base hits now? I'm not
1: sure. I still think that there's going to be matchups and things that are going to lead to it. I don't think it's going to make a monumental difference. I think there will be a handful of players that, you know, may get an extra contract year or two now because their averages are going to be a little bit better and they won't just need to be kind of a, a pole hitter that, you know, hits for a 185 average and, but, you know, 25 home runs, they may hit a little bit better now because of that. Um, but it might make the great players even greater and, and put them into that superstar category. I think of like a, maybe not a Bo because he can spray the ball, but, you know, even... You know, some of those players that, you know, maybe pull the ball a little bit too much and some of those matchups kind of hurt them. I think like a Danny Jansen for the Jays has a really good opportunity to maybe take their average, you know, to that next level and and really become that superstar. I think that's why he wasn't involved in any of the trade talks in the offseason because of that rule itself.
0: Are there any other changes that I've missed here? No, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, the the pitch clock is, is
1: going to be interesting. You know, I, I, teams are going to tinker with that. I'm just curious to see how these teams take these things on and uh, kind of the exchange of knowledge. And you know, I, I've heard from some of my contacts within the organization with the Blue Jays and stuff that they've doubled their scouting output right now in the spring training, and it's not necessarily to get a read on you know, waiver wire players, it's more how are other teams attacking this rule? And so they're trying to gain tribal knowledge from each other to say, well, what are they doing? Are they doing anything to force the pitcher to step off, to, to force a running situation? You know, how are other teams dealing with the pitch clock and things like that? So that, to me, is kind of that fun part of the game that not everybody knows about that is going to make it, you know, again, must-see must TV, must-listen must radio.
0: But the next couple of weeks in spring training, it's gonna be a mess, isn't it?
1: I think so. I, I think I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of highlight packages on T V where, you know, people are, you know, showing uh, you know, guys maybe calling for timeout and not getting it and a pitcher throwing it right down the middle and them, you know, wasting an opportunity to to put a ball in the seats or something like that and, and you're gonna see, you know, pitchers maybe waiting till the last second of the pitch clock, but the umpire enforcing it to just kind of, you know, prove that they can enforce that rule and and whatnot. Um, so that stuff, I think there's going to be some growing pains, um, but the finished product in the end, I think will be something that both sides, when I say both, I mean, owners and players can be kind of proud
0: of. Let's talk about something else that's coming up before the start of the baseball season. The world baseball classic is back. I think for a lot of fans, Uh, of baseball this is something that they may just forget about that it exists because it's kind of like the world cup of hockey it's very intermittent uh first of all do you like the event
1: i do i don't like the timing of it um you know you see some of the posts of these teams kind of announcing their rosters and then you kind of wonder where certain players are the canadian roster is a prime example of you know you know guys not not even attending or not even trying to attend because they're under contract or they're under insurance-related reasons that they, they can't get hurt or trying to be protected for. So for that reason, I don't like it. I don't know when you could do it otherwise, um, unless you did it like the NHL, or sorry, like hockey, where the World Championships are kind of during the playoffs, and then maybe you send a roster of guys that you know aren't on playoff rosters. I think that that might be something that they could look at. Um, but, but, it, but it's a tough tournament. I mean, the Canadian team, for example, you know, I, I think fans might enjoy game one against Great Britain. But after that, uh, that roster is pretty depleted. And I'm extremely proud of Baseball Canada and everything they're achieving. But it's just hard to put a roster together right now at this time of year.
0: Yeah, they've got a group of Mexico, United States, Colombia and Great Britain. And I'll be honest, I didn't know Great Britain had a baseball team it's
1: it's it's not widely known but uh, they're into that world group now um, I know a few people that have gone over there and that are you know helping kind of rewrite their program doing a little bit of coaching and stuff like that there's definitely uh, Canadian and American influence over there um, they're not going to set the world on fire so to speak but uh, they'll be respectable um, and every team will have kind of their one or two guys but it's it's depth that will take these tournaments and you look at some of the Latin teams and the the lineups that they're putting out there, uh, but also obviously team USA. And then, you know, Japan, Korea, those, this is their, this is their championship for them. This is their chance to prove that they are the best nation on the world stage. So this is big for them, not as big for the countries that maybe have the, uh, the major league players.
0: Is the United States the favorite heavy favorite, small favorite, or not the favorite?
1: I don't know if I would call them a favorite mainly because they can't draw their top, top tier players. Like, yes, you can argue, you know, Mike Trout and, and some of the players that they have there are, are there, but you know, they don't have DeGrom, they don't have Verlander, they have Kershaw, they have some of the other players that are still superstars in their own right, but they're, it's just not the best on best format that you'd like to see, or that the U S would like to place. Um, for that reason, you know i would probably give the nod to some of these latin teams that are going to you know come and they come with a little bit more passion to their game and and it means a lot more to them and then again you you can never really count out a team like japan in the far east because they definitely send their a lineup and uh they're they're putting everything in here to
0: win this thing yeah this is the fifth iteration of this tournament japan won the first two then the dominican and then in the last time they did this in 2017, it was the United States. That's why I asked if the Americans are the favorites, just because they're the defending champs and beat Puerto Rico in the finals six years ago. But finally, over the next month or so, how much are people going to be talking about this tournament, especially in our country? I feel like it's probably just going to come and go without much of a blip.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree, um, only because the the team is not necessarily set up with, you know, kind of all the ammunition they could have. And uh, it may result in a, in, a, in a fairly early exit. I think if they had, you know, even two or three more of the key impact players, you know, if Joey Votto comes to mind as, you know, kind of the perfect person there, uh, you know, even losing Nick Favetta, but some of the other pitchers they could have added, you know, they might have might have pulled off a little bit of an upset to at least get out of pool play which maybe would have garnered some excitement. Um, but right now, the Blue Jays are more than stealing the headlines in Canada. Um, people are aware of, of you know, where Baseball Canada is at and the success of, of the, baseball, uh, the Canadian baseball player. We're, we have so many more players playing at Division One colleges and, and colleges all over and in the pro game that there's a lot to celebrate. I just don't think that the World Baseball... Uh, challenge is is going to be one that that's going to be heavily followed for much more than
0: the few weeks that they're in it. I guess I should ask you before I let you go as well. We'll do a a full season preview coming up later on in the spring. But what do you think of the Blue Jays off season?
1: I th- I think they did exactly what the math told them to do. Now that I, I don't I don't necessarily subscribe that 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 the analytics and the math wins championships, but it certainly brings you a lot closer with regards to probabilities. I like the additions that they made. I like the additions, or rather the uh, the changes that they didn't make. I like that they didn't trade Danny Jansen. I, I like that they kind of kept the pitching staff semi-intact, and I think their relief core will be a little bit stronger Um, a lot of people are still picking them to be third in the division. Uh, I I actually think that the Blue Jays have a chance that if they can get out of the gate early and start with a fairly high degree of success, which I think their starting rotation lends support to, I I, I don't want to say they will run away with it, especially in the division that they're in, but I do think they will be one of, if not the team to be reckoned with this year. I think this could be their year.
0: Well, Jamie, uh, Merry Christmas for you and your spring training hopes <laughs> here. I hope you have a good time watching baseball, and we'll see what Canada does. at The WBC, I don't have high hopes, but we'll check in as we get closer to opening day. You'll know where to find me. Thank you very much. Now, it might just be the biggest basketball game ever between the Winnipeg Westman and Manitoba Bisons since the program's moved to the Canada West Conference at the turn of the century. Saturday night at Investors Group Athletic Centre, the Bisons host the Westman with a berth in the conference championship game on the line. And with it, not just endless bragging rights, but a trip to the U Sports Final 8 tournament as well. Both teams coming off their best regular seasons in program history. The Bisons went 18-2, and Winnipeg went 15-5, the second and third seed's respectively, in their conference playoffs. They split their regular season meetings. The Westmen edged the Bisons at the U of M 89-80 back on February 3rd before the Bisons got their revenge at the U of W the next day in a 71-61 win. Next two segments are going to be dedicated to this giant clash, as we hear from members of both teams. And we'll start with the Westmen, who are coming off one of the most ridiculous games you will ever see. I chronicled this on Tuesday's show, and the Westmen needed three overtimes on Saturday afternoon to beat the Brandon Bobcats. Brandon hit a buzzer beater three at the end of the first OT. Winnipeg hit a late three in the second OT. And then this happened at the end of the third. Here we go. Ten seconds to shoot. Moranen trying to look for a take. Seven Six, to seven. shoot. Moranen five to shoot. Moranen gives it to Stewart. Hesitation for the win. he puts it up. Oh! he gets it.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. Donald
2: Stewart, a shot of his life. Donald, Donald Stewart.
0: Stewart. Yeah, so me and my broadcast partner on CanoS OS TV got a little nuts there, but it's a buzzer-beating three in triple overtime to go to the semifinals. A lot to get excited. So today, I had to ask Stewart, a six-seven sophomore out of Vincent Massey Collegiate, how many times he's viewed the replay of that shot since
3: Saturday. Ah, uh, we're definitely into the double digits for sure. Yeah, Uh people sending it to me and stuff. It's uh, it's been pretty cool. Uh. The last few days, just people uh, reaching out about the about the shot on the weekend. So yeah, that's been that's been pretty fun. That whole game, have you ever been a part of anything like that? No, I have never been a part of a game like that. And I played uh, certainly my fair share of games at this point. But like, I don't know if I've ever been to triple overtime, uh, like three huge shots at the at the end of each OT like Anthony's shot was incredible I couldn't believe he made it and then Sean answered him in the next OT with the pull-up three that was just so clutch and then we managed to finish it out in the last one and like I credit to Brandon like that's that's one of the best games I've ever played that was that was that was crazy how tired were you when it was all said and done you know you definitely we definitely had some adrenaline going I didn't feel it until sort of we were sitting down in the team room after and I was like holy I'm just I'm exhausted now uh but yeah I was certainly certainly took a lot out of us uh but you know this week of practice has been good just sort of getting get our legs back under us after that bit of a marathon of a game on Saturday. Was there any thought of fouling up three in the first overtime? Um there wasn't uh at the time uh we talked a little bit about it after maybe that was something uh to go to uh we'd never sort of we hadn't talked about it before, and like sort of what that would look like. So we just thought it would be safe to stay solid. We trusted that we could, uh, that we were going to be okay defensively with Malachi guarding Anthony. And then I thought Malachi did a great job, and Anthony just made a really, really tough shot. So I, I, I liked our, our decision not to foul there, but obviously, uh, could have worked out maybe a little better. But credit to Anthony, that was, that was an incredible shot he made. Hindsight's twenty twenty.
0: Now yeah. on the on the
3: play by play, I called it the shot of your life when you hit it. It was it the shot of your life? Ah, uh, definitely, yeah. For sure, that's that's definitely. Uh, I don't know. I've had some I've had some shots late in games and stuff. That, but not nothing nothing like that. You were you definitely correct on your call. That was that was probably a shot of my life so okay. far. For sure.
0: So let's look ahead to Saturday game against the Bisons. Trip to the Canada West final on the line. How many people on the Bisons
3: did you grow up playing with or against? Yeah, you know, uh, so many of those guys, and it's really exciting just to see how much sort of local talent there is on on both teams. And you know, we're it's nice to be sort of on the same level as some of the other provinces. With you know, both of us in the in the final four. Yeah, like Simon Hildebrand on their team is one of my uh, best friends. I've known him since I was about three years old. So uh, I've known him uh, forever. I played against guys like Mason Krause I played with Jackson Tachinsky. You know, all those guys. I've I've grown up playing with and against. So it's it's pretty exciting to. Uh, see some familiar faces out there, even though we're obviously trying to get a win on Saturday. So you beat them in their
0: house; you, they beat you here. What's going to be the difference? Because it's two pretty even matchups so far.
3: Yeah, I think uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be a really close game. I think uh, obviously they've had an incredible year in their own right, uh, 18 and two, I think, on the. On the regular season, so it's it's going to be a battle. I uh, I'm really looking forward to it. They're they're big, they're athletic, uh, they're really good defensively, uh, but you know I think uh, I think we're better. So I hope I hope we can uh, pull out a win. But it's it's going to be an absolute battle. You know it's going to be who, it's going to come down to who wants it more and come down to probably a couple plays in the game. So uh, it'll be it'll be a battle. I'm looking forward to it. This team coming
0: in was not ranked third in the preseason poll. You guys had 15 wins, most in program history. You got zero fourth-year or fifth-year players. How did you guys
3: manage to beat the
0: expectations
3: this year? Um, I think it came in just everyone sort of believing in the work we were putting in. Uh, it is a young group, and uh, I think that was to our advantage because we, uh, we just didn't really have any expectations, and we sort of adopted a attitude of sort of, why not us? Why can't we? Uh, be amongst the best in the conference. Uh, we have got, even though we don't have any fourth or fifth year guys, guys like Sean Miranda have been tremendous uh, in terms of leadership for us, keeping us on track. If any times we slip during the season, him or coach have uh, really done a good job of keeping us accountable uh, and making sure that we're doing uh, the right things uh, in order to be successful. So, uh, yeah, you know, it was just why, why not us?
0: And that coach holding them accountable is Mike Rainbow. His thirteenth season as coach of the Westman. He's been in the Final Four before. Back in twenty thirteen, they won bronze. Back when they had a bronze medal game. They're not doing that this year. But that was a while ago now. And I had the chance to catch up with him as well today. And again, before I could look ahead, I, I had to look back at that big win over Brandon.
4: Yeah, it was obviously pretty uh, crazy. The buzzer beaters, triple overtime. You know the magnitude of what the the game meant and the point of the season. So it was certainly crazy.
0: How do you kind of keep calm on the bench when everything is tight, you're in three overtimes, every possession is so pivotal?
4: I think you just concentrate on the next decision that needs to be made and trying to help the, the guys that are on the floor uh, to make the decisions that they need to be make, making and, uh, you know, just moving one possession to the next.
0: Donald Stewart, I asked him how many times he's watched the shot, he said in a double digits. How about you?
4: I watched the game back and, uh, you know, I think I ran across it a a couple times on social media, but, you know, we moved on fairly quickly afterwards onto what's next.
0: And that
4: would be the Bisons.
0: You've played them twice. You split the two meetings. What did you glean from the first two matchups that you can use this weekend?
4: I think just there's a familiarity between both teams now having played fairly recently. I think, uh, you know, we have a a good handle on their size and their length and their physicality and we know how important it is for us to battle and to match, uh, you know, just the toughness in terms of rebounding and, uh, you know, kind of have an idea of what to expect in terms of the pace of the game and we're expecting it to be a lot of fun.
0: I don't think it's an overstatement to say that this is the biggest game of these young men's lives. How do you kind of keep that in perspective and make sure that it doesn't become too much
4: to handle? Well, certainly I haven't said that it's the biggest games of their lives. That's the media, I guess, that does that. I think, uh, you know, for us, we're just concentrating on improving our ourselves and our habits and doing the, the things that we normally do to prepare to play. And, you know, our hope is that we'll play our best game Saturday.
0: What do you think the environment's going to be like at the U of M?
4: Oh, I'm assuming there'll be a good crowd. There should be good energy. I mean, generally when uh, our two programs play, there's a lot of excitement around the the game within the basketball community and, you know, we expect it to be a lot of fun.
0: How important is defense for your team to, t- to try and generate offense?
4: Yeah, it's massive. I think we spend a lot of time, you know, talking about the way that we would like to match up and uh, things that we want to do on the defensive side. You know, you get into the postseason and easy baskets are generally a little bit harder to come by. You know, I think you look at last weekend's game, it's 64 all at the end of regulation, so if you can somehow defend and get out in transition and get an easy basket, it's uh, extremely valuable.
0: And do you have, a, a, I mean you've only played them once in the playoffs before, does that history matter at all or is it just, it doesn't matter who the opponent is Saturday, we're playing to make the final of the conference and it could be anybody.
4: Yeah, I think the previous history really doesn't mean anything. Like I said, we're, we're looking at the last two games that we played. We're looking at the things that we've done recently that we can do better. Um, you know, we're trying to improve little areas. The last number of practices that we have here before we go play. And, you know, we're just trying to play our best game of the season.
0: And the fact that you can make Nationals with a win hasn't been mentioned at all?
4: I mean we don't have to mention it we understand where we are you know we're trying to keep our season alive we'd like to spend more time together and uh, you know talking about things doesn't necessarily make any difference and is it nice that you don't have to go on a plane to play this game yeah I think that's massive for both teams I think you know not having to travel the last few weeks for us has been good you know it's a busy time of year uh, you know so it's helped to keep us a little bit rested and in our routine uh, practicing in our own facility we don't go across town where we're familiar, should be uh, a little bit better than being out on the road.
0: As we head down Pemina Highway to the U of M, Bison's coming off a phenomenal regular season, 18-2, and two, their best in program history, right now ranked 7th in the country. A win Saturday would mean a second trip to the Nationals for the program under the stewardship of head coach Kirby Shep, who's been doing it now for 14 seasons. They made the final eight in Halifax six years ago, and like the Westman, they narrowly escaped their quarterfinal matchup this past weekend, they fended off a late Calgary charge and a 75-72 win at home. Forward Isaac miller Joes from Wellington, New Zealand, led the team with 20 points and 10 rebounds, but deflected praise when speaking with our Kelly Moore about it today.
5: I mean, it's nice, but it's, you know, any one of our teammates can get that sort of performance as well. So it was just my turn on the, the Calgary game, but... Um... Yeah, it's definitely a confidence booster for sure.
6: When you go into a game like that, is there any kind of premonition, you know, that something like that is going to happen, or does it just kind of happen organically throughout the game?
5: I think it's got to be organic. Like sometimes it's just your game, whether it's like how they choose to guard your team, or whether it's you know you just have a good night, you know the shots fall your way. Like it's just it's sort of chance, I think. Yeah.
6: Well, I mean, the one thing you're noted for on this team, though, is I think I heard it uh, reference the defensive anchor. And I mean, that's that's what you're going to have to do against Winnipeg, right?
5: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're uh, one of the best defensive teams in the country, and it comes from everyone. You know, Mason, me, it has, you know, everyone, even Wyatt gets a few steals here and there. And it's just a, a, an overwhelming pressure from everybody. But it feels good to be the anchor of that as well, yeah.
6: How much does it help having a game like you had against Calgary in the quarterfinals to get you're ready for that next step because it was anything but easy. Yeah, no,
5: I mean, no playoff game's going to be easy, and if it is, it's not a real playoff game. So, yeah, we, we've had a couple close games this year, and every single one of them has prepared us for close playoff games at the end of the year, so it'll be good.
6: Grandma always said uh, hate is a pretty strong word. There's just people you can't get to know. So yeah. uh, is it maybe you can't get to know the Winnipeg Westmen going into this one.
5: Uh, I mean, I think we've had as much chance to know them as anyone else. So uh, it's been... We've played against them so many times, and, you know, over the years we've played against their players, and the the team keeps developing, but they've they've had a great season, and we're looking forward to settling the score, because it's 1-1 on the season right now.
6: What will it be then? I mean, you mentioned there's no secrets between the two teams, so does it just all come down to execution?
5: Uh, I think it's execution, but it's also grit. You know, who wants it more? Who's going to have the energy coming into the game? And, you know, certain players might step up, and other players might have an off night, but it's just about... Who who wants it more at the end of the day? Yeah. Have another double double in you? Uh, I hope so. We'll see. Yeah, I, I hope for. I mean, I, I don't even care how I play to be honest. As long as we win. Yeah, that's that's the main takeaway. After registering
0: double figures and that win Saturday, uh, or also registering double figures was Wyatt Tate's son of friend of the show Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. dot com. Fourth-year player out of Oak Park, one of the proverbial glue guys, averages over seven points a game and roughly five rebounds a game and 15 starts, and the 6-6 Tate can't wait for Saturday.
7: Like, I remember watching the Bisons growing up and playing the Westmen and stuff, so it's kind of, like, surreal to be – or the last game especially when we had such a packed house, it's kind of surreal to be playing against them.
6: Is there the danger of maybe being too amped, too jacked, and, and just to, to be yourselves?
7: Definitely. I think uh,
6: especially in the first quarter
7: against Calgary last weekend, we were kind of over-amped and we missed some layups and forced some passes, a couple turnovers. But I feel like having that uh, coming into this weekend is kind of like a good preparation, just kind of knowing what the atmosphere is going to be like, for sure.
6: So with no secrets, what do you see as the key or the keys to Saturday?
7: Uh, I think we just, especially in the second night, when we move the ball really well and share the ball, we're, we're pretty st- tough to uh, stop offensively. And I feel like just like getting our flow back and, like you said, playing with such a intense atmosphere and stuff like that, it's uh, important to just like stick to what we know and keep the ball moving.
0: Bison's head coach Kirby Shep has been on the job for a while now, too. As I mentioned, 14th season, and he's ready for a big-time matchup this weekend. After six years waiting since their last conference semifinal,
2: yeah, it doesn't seem like that long ago. But yeah, things happen uh, pretty quickly, and uh, I, you know, it's the first time you know we've been in this situation f- for you know, I guess a couple years. We had it against Alberta, but the first time we've been in the situation on our home court, I think ever. So uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it certainly is a real big deal.
6: Yeah, and well, but it's not that big of a deal that it's the Westman either. I mean.
2: Yeah, I mean, that certainly adds another element. Hey, it's really great to see that, you know, someone from the city of Winnipeg will be going to Nationals. We hope it's us. But uh, I think it's great for, you know, basketball in general in our city. And, yeah, it certainly adds an element of pressure, an element of uh, excitement to it. And, uh,
6: yeah, we're expecting a pack house here on Saturday to uh, witness some history. It was it was kind of interesting, too, how things unfolded in the regular season. You win in their barn, they come and win in your barn, so you're hoping that's where it ends is on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, anything. I don't know how much in those situations, especially with the familiarity of, you know, guys have played in this gym a lot on both teams and we've played in theirs. And so, I mean, I don't know how much the home court advantage, you know, matters, but... Uh, Yeah, you know, it's just going to be a matter of, you know, who performs,
6: who executes, and who makes shots. You know, in 17, the team caught fire just at the right time. This year, it seems like you guys have just been in your groove for a lot of the year. Would that be an accurate assessment?
2: Yeah, we've had a real solid year right from the start. I mean, you know, we, we... it helped. I think we played one of the hardest preseason schedules in the country, and that really got us ready to go. Uh, you know, guys have consistently performed, I thought, throughout the year. And, you know, we, we've had some real close games and, you know, games that, you know, we were down and
6: came back. And, you know, they've really overcome a lot of adversity in this group. How do you see Saturday night rolling out? If the Bison's win, it will be because. Oh, boy. Uh, Mike Rainbow's not listening, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think, you know, it's the team that
2: probably plays a little bit grittier, uh, you know, gets to 50-50 balls, and then just basically make shots, right? I think, you know, it comes down to being able to execute knockdown shots. Both teams, I'm sure, are incredibly familiar. Everyone knows what everyone's going to do. It's just a matter of executing at the right time and making shots when it counts.
6: Probably wouldn't hurt either that a so-called defensive anchor has a double-double in that game.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we, you know, we need our guys to play and certainly our seniors, right? Guys like Allen Rising, Joe's and Elijah Straco got to step up and and make plays. And uh, I have every confidence that they will.
0: Again, the big game, seven o'clock Saturday at Investors Group Athletic Center. From what I hear, it's going to be a pretty back- packed house. So that atmosphere is going to be awesome. I'm going to try to make it out to see that one. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So and thanks for all
5: the fish. So sad that should come to
7: this. We try to warn you all You may not share our intellect. Might explain the disrespect
2: For all the natural